Good morning. Good morning. This is Craig on Rainbow Radio. We're happy you're here. Oh, uh, I have a lot, lot has happened on the national and local level, uh, and I've got a lot to report on that. We're going to um, be back on the other side of this next song with uh, On This Day in History while I finish setting up Zoom. Okay, be right back. The sun is going to shine on through. It's going to shine on you. <laughs> we And with that, it's a nice segue to the weather report here in Laguna Beach. Today, it's partly cloudy, high 68, winds south to southwest at five miles per hour. So the high is going to be 68. Get that? <laughs> That's nice and cool. And then to the low will be 64. So we're in the 60s, back in the 60s. Where were you when this song was number one, 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 one? Oh, yeah. Um, and then throughout the week, it's going to be in the 70s and sunny. A little bit of cloudy on Tuesday, but the rest of the week is sunny. Just so that's the out, the bright outlook for the rest of the week here at Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach is only FM radio. KXFM 104.7. This is Craig Rainbow Radio. Happy to be here this Sunday morning. Another good day to go to the Saturday market and stock up on food for a get-together and invite me. I'm still recovering from the the plague of of antisocial behavior from COVID. So, you know, this this getting out is um, something I forgot how to do as often as I used to, you know. Anyway, I will break that habit. I I got me a bicycle so I can can now... um, I can now travel around and meet and greet, <laughs> have fun with all sorts of people. Anyway, I want to thank our sponsor this week, for, um, which is Chris Tibbet and Compass Realty. Thank you, Chris, for being uh, uh, our supporter here at Rainbow Radio and KXFM 104 uh, here in Laguna Beach. And uh, it's support from people like Chris and those who really care about, well, I shouldn't say it sounds a little nat, wrong, but uh, I'm glad he cares so much about the community that he stepped forward. And uh, it's those kind of pe- it's those kind of efforts that really um, make a big difference here in Laguna Beach. So thank you, Chris and Compass Realty, if, uh, which is where he works. And uh, if so inclined, check him out here. He's got a new listing I saw yesterday. Oh, that was Mike Johnson. Well, they both have new listings, and they're both for Compass, and they've both been very supportive. So 
we're going to jump right into on this day in history on August 7th, which is today. Does it seem like it's August? I guess it is. Oh, and then uh, next weekend, um, today is hopefully, oh, what's the weather report? Because we're supposed to be at the beach next weekend. <laughs> I should I should check on that. Saturday, mostly sunny, 79 degrees. That's Saturday the 14th. Why am I picking Saturday the 14th, which is a week from today? Well, I will answer that. That is because Laguna Beach Pride is uh, encouraging everyone to uh, go to West Street Beach on that day and enjoy a summer at day at the beach. As, as many people as we can cram onto that beach is what we want to do. <laughs> so we suggest that you arrive early uh, and claim a little your own section of the beach and the sand, bring your umbrellas and your chairs and anything else that you want, your, your ice chest, and there will be some uh, music and some um, entertainment for sure, and the usual entertainment. So, yeah, it's just kind of a uh, no RSVP, no nothing special, no money. It's just show up and enjoy your friends and uh, the beautiful weather here in Laguna Beach and the beautiful um, West Street Beach, which, as we like to say, is the best gay beach on the West Coast of the United States. Maybe anywhere. <laughs> we'll have to do a study on that. <laughs> Maybe we can get it funded. Anyway, it's uh, it's uh, this next uh, Saturday. And we're just saying about noon to and stay till the sun sets if you want. But hopefully people will get there early, 11 and and we'll have a rousing, um, shaking off the COVID isolation blues event. <laughs> How's that? Shaking off the COVID ice, <laughs> uh, isolation blues event here in Laguna Beach. So that's next Saturday. And then on August uh, or September 11th, we have the white party in at uh, seven degrees and tickets are on sale for that right now. It's a, it's all for nonprofit for Laguna beach pride. And uh, you can go to the Laguna beach pride website. It's all there, all the news it's at seven degrees. So it's, as you know, that's a beautiful venue and it's going to be on the upper deck under the stars, uh, starting at five o'clock till 11 and later, if they'll allow it, uh, we're working on that. But so that's, uh, um, that's Saturday again, but that's September. And so with those two events, this coming Saturday and the, and the first Saturday in, I guess it would be the second Saturday in, uh, in uh, September is our three and four of our summer events here, summer pride, summer of pride in Laguna beach. That doesn't mean that ends because uh, then we have beach bonfires after that through the through selected dates through the fall and into winter and then our, our Christmas party because we are Laguna Beach Pride 365, which means year round. So how about that? So uh, I let's, uh, let's roll right into on this day in history, August 7th, as I started to say a minute ago, London. Hello, Lynn. In London, more than 100 lesbian and gay men stage a kiss-in at Piccadilly Circus. I've been there. In defiance of the Sexual Ordinances oh, Offenses Act, which dec 
decriminalized private sex between consenting adults, but left public display of same-sex affection a misdemeanor. So just don't hold hands in public like everyone else. So they had a kiss in. (laughs) I like that. That was 87 in London. Uh, Oh, my. How times have changed. And then August 8th on this day in history, 1978, representatives of 17 gay, predominantly male and European organizations found the International Lesbian and Gay Association at a meeting hosted by the English um, Campaign for Homosexual Equality in Coventry, England. So that was, they formed the group in 78. So that's a few years ago. Oh my God, that's a couple lifetimes ago, a couple generations ago. In 1981, Tom Duane, an openly gay candidate in the close race for New York City West Side City Council seat, reveals that he is HIV after opponent Liz Abzug comes out as a lesbian. Duane says he's not on medication, has no symptoms, and rises at 6.30 a.m. and rarely goes to bed before midnight, having on a living on stress and coffee, the candidate's best friend. In November, he becomes the first openly HIV-positive candidate in the country to win public office. So there's some progress. That's 91. And then moving on to August 9th, in 1972, wow, we're going way back. Well, I last last week, I know I had some 1600s in the 1600s. I think, well, that's before my time even. <laughs> 1972, Ohio State Uh, Secretary of State refuses to grant articles of incorporation to the Greater Cincinnati Gay Society. Two years later, the Ohio uh, Supreme Court upholds the decision. What? Stating that even though homosexual acts are now legal in Ohio, the promotion of homosexuality as a valid lifestyle is contrary to the public policy of the state. Wow. Ohio, I hope that's changed in Ohio. So they denied it because, I mean, Laguna Beach Pride, we got our nonprofit status through the state and through the federal government. Uh, it's been about a year and a half ago. And, um, well, it's LGBTQ. <laughs> so I guess things have changed at least uh, here. We don't know about Ohio. In 1994, District Judge S. Arthur Spiegel voids Cincinnati's ballot issue three, which repeals the city's gay rights ordinance. So he voids it. Why? I wish they'd give me a little more information. In 1995, David Giffen gives four million, the biggest solo AIDS donation yet, to GMHC and God's love we deliver. God's love we deliver, which brings meals to people with AIDS. I remember that. I hate to say 95. Um, that was a big to-do. Someone as with celebrity status would do something so generous that's gay-related was pretty controversial. In 2007, Cable Channel Logo hosts Visible Vote 08, a presidential forum for the first presidential um Uh, a presidential forum for the first presidential forum in the United States, focusing specifically on the LGBT issues. 
Six Democratic Party candidates participate in the event. GOP candidates were asked to attend, but turned it down. Hmm. You know, you need to reach across the aisle, folks, as frequently as possible. In 2010, a judge in New Mexico rules that marriage licenses issued to a lesbian couple in 2004 is valid, though she declines to rule on the broader constitutional question of same-sex marriage. That's 2010, so it's 11 years ago. But and now, moving forward to August 10th in LGBTQ history, um, Keith Haring reveals he is HIV. Prices for his art soar as collectors anticipate his death. Isn't that lovely? Keith Haring was a subway artist, and he has their more their kind of odd black and white um, patterns of images of people. Very simple, but very cool. In 2010, the Supreme Court of Mexico ruled in quick succession that Mexico City's same-sex marriage law is constitutional. Yay! <laughs> that same-sex marriage is uh, contracted in Mexico must be recognized throughout Mexico. In Mexico City, should must be recognized throughout Mexico, although no other state is required to perform them. And that it is unconstitutional to bar these marriage married same-sex couples from adopting children. You know, that what's going on in Mexico is pretty amazing. That's 2010. I know we were struggling in 2008, I know, with many, many issues. But, um, and I, I often felt that the uh, culture in Mexico uh, was cloaked with a lot of religion and um, I didn't think that the gay agenda, let's not call it the agenda but that gay rights or equal rights would prevail very soon but um they did and for that i think that's wonderful good on you mexico moving on to august 11th in lgbtq history uh in 1981 larry kramer whose 1978 novel faggots took uh gay men to um took gay men to task for prom promiscuity in the pre-AIDS New York, calls a meeting of concerned men in this Greenwich Village apartment is a precursor to the organization that will become a gay men's health crises in New York. That's 81. That's right in the midst of you know what. In 1995, South Korea marks its first pride celebration with a march and other events in Seoul. And August 12th on this day in history. Well, a lot more happened on August 12th. <laughs> but then August 13th, only one thing. Okay. So August 12th. In, ooh, this is way, way, way before my time. In 1833, in London, Captain Nicholas Nichols, 50, is sentenced to death on a charge of sodomy. His sentence is protested by the anonymous poet who is Don Leon, purportedly an autobiographical poem by Lord Byron, who, but actually by some contemporary who is remarkably familiar with the late poet's love life. Don Leon is not, the, is not only one of the earliest works of protest against the prosecution of same-sex love, it is also cited as evidence of an emerging identity constructed around inborn passions of men whose predilection, 
predilection is for males. Hmm. Whence springs these inclinations? Whence spring these in inclinations? Rank and strong, and harming no one. Wherefore call them wrong? I love that. Whence spring these inclinations? Like when you get the urge, whence spring these inclinations? Rank and strong. Why would they say rank? But rank and strong, and harming no one. Wherefore call them wrong? Hmm. Rank and strong, wherefore call them wrong. In 1968, North American Conference on Homophile Organizations, nicknamed Nacho, oh my, made up of delegates from 26 groups, convenes in Chicago to discuss goals, strategy for the next five days. Although delegates fail to form a unified national organization, they pass a five-point homosexual bill of rights and resolve to make gay is good the slogan of the movement. Incidentally, there is a movement. I think it's uh, their national leader is based in um, right here in California, in Long Beach, and it's called Gay for Good. And they go around and do good things for the community, which is really nice because later on I'm going to talk about the news, and I'm so tired, actually I'm angry, <laughs> which is not right, about so many hateful things, and particularly in Hungary, but we won't go there right at the moment. I'll get, catch up on it uh, after this day in history. So, um, gay is good, the slogan for the, of the movement. In 2004, by a five to two vote, the Supreme Court of California avoids almost 4,000 same-sex per marriages performed in San Francisco between February 12th and March 11th, after another unanimous decision that the city's officials overstepped their legal rights in ignoring state laws and issuing marriage licenses of same-sex couples. Now, who in the city of San Francisco uh, <laughs> officials overstepped their, their right, uh, the legal rights? It was Gavin Newsom. And for that, I think, yeah, this is what, and he was vindicated on this too. When it happened, I'm sure, because his father is a, as it was a career judge in the state of California, and Gavin is uh, an attorney. And so I'm, it's probably fair to say that they're pretty legally aware when they step out and do something of the consequences and the, um, I don't know, the slapback that might uh, develop as a result of it. So they decided that uh, he, his city, the city officials of San Francisco decided that they would were going to issue same-sex uh, marriage licenses. And that just created a huge, oh my gosh, it's happening. This is yada, yada, yada. Went all, I mean, this was like wildfire all over the nation. How could a, a, a city do that? Well, San Francisco, I mean, and I thought it was great. And, and, but then they decided that it was against the state uh, mandates about same about gay, I guess. I don't know how, what else can you say? Uh, the ignoring state laws in issuing marriages. So they decided that the state laws were unconstitutional. And so uh, what he did flew in the face of those laws. And I have to think that perhaps there was some 
conversation about those laws and what they were stepping forward with. So that this the splashback or the response was Prop 8, which got on the ballot, which was approved by the voters of California to deny same-sex marriage. And then later again, it was declared unconstitutional. And the ordinance, or it wasn't an ordinance, but amendment to the, I guess it was an amendment. I don't really sure, but it's Prop 8, proposition, uh, was um, nullified. So they decided later that those marriage licenses did stand, were legitimate. I do know some people that did get married during that short window. So there you have it. That's history. That's all I know. And I, I love that, uh, that our current governor did it. And um, I, I, uh, I do support him. Uh, even in, uh, we'll have to talk about Jenner's campaign here in a minute. Uh, Caitlin Jenner. Okay, so moving on. In 2004, New, Jer- New Jersey Governor James McGreevy becomes the first openly gay chief executive of a U.S. state when he discloses an extramarital affair with another man and announces his resignation, effective resignation, November 12th of 2004. And in 2009, President Obama posthumously awards Harvey Milk the Presidential Medal of Freedom. How about that? And then the last in the week of review of this day in history, in 1952, Herb Ritz, a gay photographer, is born. He was a fashion photographer. He died at 50 of complications from AIDS. Uh, He had a lung disease that wasn't AIDS-associated, but his immune system was so compromised. Young and uh, knew how to photograph celebrities in fashion and was very successful. In case you're wondering who Herb Ritz, Herb, Herb Ritz, Herb Hits. <laughs> so this is Craig on KXFM 104.7 Rainbow Radio. I am on a mission to find um, in August. Uh, I wanted I want to feature a guest each month, and I don't have anyone lined up for August or September. I do have someone who has something that's going to coincide with a release date of uh, for them in uh, October, but that's a long ways away. So I need uh, guests for this month and for next month. It's open. I do uh, I do take suggestions, and it's Craig at rainbow-radio.com is the email, craig at rainbow-radio.com. So if you have someone who you think would be a good candidate to be on here, um, I have, uh, I'm all ears, and let's get some, get, get them here on the, on the airwaves and sharing what we know about our world in LGBTQ. So um, I, I just want to say lots going on in on international level but then i'm thinking why might i i like to think we're international radio here but there's some local stuff in the states that's going on and the next one is jenner jenner's campaign to replace newsom on in recall race is in debt now i don't i don't want to relish in someone else's unfortunate situation um but it's what's going on and uh, 
I don't agree with necessarily agree with uh, Jenner's uh, platform, and she's pretty anti-gay, uh, which I find remarkable, uh, considering the path that Jenner has taken. And I did listen to her uh, making uh, at what's it the um, the Kennedy Center when she gave a little speech and I thought it was very touching and, and very insightful, but at the same time, her politics are um, not supportive of the LGBTQ com community. Not that every campaign person needs to be because they might have a lot to offer, but let's just take it at that. In Los Angeles, according to campaign filings, as reported by Politico on Monday of this week, the gubernatorial, gubernatorial uh, recall campaign for trans reality television personality Republican Caitlyn Jenner to replace Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom has amassed significant debt. The required disclosure of campaign finances to the California Secretary of State, Jenner's campaign has raised through the end of July from its launch $747,000 and spent some $910,000 leaving her campaign with about 156,000 of unpaid bills and roughly 21,000 on hand for the race's critical final stretch. Politico noted that the campaign has sent about $67,000 to the Pascal Strategy LLC, the firm run by former Trump campaign strategist Brad Pascal, or Pascal, excuse me. <laughs> of course it's Pascal. It spent $25,000 on former Bush press secretary, Ari Flesher, Flesher's media strategy company, Ari Flesher Communications. Among Pascal's strategy reported spending was an $1,800 staff meeting at Nobu, a fancy Malibu restaurant, and a $1,300 for a limousine service that ferried Jenner from Los Angeles to the meetings. Jenner ha is temporarily re um, residing in Australia, filming a reality television show. Although her campaign told the, uh, the online portal for the San Francisco Chronicle in a statement that Caitlin has not paused her campaign at all, and she will be back in California for a bus tour in August, which this is August. Actually, it's uh, August 7th, a week into the month. Wonder how that bus tour is going. Um, Jenner, 71, has barely gained momentum since her entrance into the race uh, past April. A recent Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies in Los Angeles Times poll showed that she uh, showed her tied for fifth place with 3% support. Boy, that bus tour must really kick in. Politico pointed out that media buys statewide uh, in California are several million dollars, and with her campaign in debt, it makes gaining traction with potential voters difficult. The date set for the recall is September 14th, midway through this month, and the mail-in ballots will be sent out to election officials statewide by election officials. So that's what's going on with our governor in the state of California. Is someone trying to text me? <laughs> And then let's move to West Virginia. How about that? Um, it's uh, the city council in West Virginia's uh, capital city became the first municipality in the state to enact an ordinance banning the widely discredited practice of conversion therapy. So you see, there is some good news. 
uh, by a vote of 14 to, to 9, the council passed the ordinance Monday to protect LGBT youth from the practice. Conversion therapy is widely opposed by prominent professional medical associations, including the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, and the American Academy of Pediatrics. The proposed ordinance carries a fine of up to $1,000 for violations. All of Charleston's children deserve love and respect for who they are, and no one should be in the business of trying to shame or humiliate teenagers out of being LGBTQ, said Andrew Schneider, Executive Director for Fairness West Virginia. Our city's medical and faith communities came out strongly in support of this bill to ban the dangerous and discredited practice of conversion therapy, and I congratulate members of the city council for bravery in approving it, all except the, um, the nine that voted against it. Uh, the, uh, more on that, the Trevor Project is thrilled to see the historic action being taken in West Virginia to protect LGBTQ youth from the dangers of conversion therapy. This discredited practice is not therapy at all. It's been debunked by every major medical organization and shown to increase suicide risk, said Troy Stevenson senior advocacy campaign manager for the Trevor Project. Uh, we are hopeful that this victory will help catalyze uh, the passage of statewide protections in the Mountain State, in ensuring that no young person in West Virginia is subjected to the fraud at the hands of the mental health providers, this fraud. A total of 20 states, as well as the District of Columbia, Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, and 94 municipalities, mostly located in Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota, have banned the practice of conversion therapy on minor clients. Minnesota and Michigan's governors earlier this year signed executive orders that prohibit states' uh, funds being expanded on the practice. So a little bit more, there's some... I found this interesting reach research findings on this topic. According to Trevor Project's 2021 National Survey on LGBTQ youth and mental health, 13% of LGBTQ youth reported being subjected to conversion therapy, with 83% reporting it occurred when they were under the age of 18. So if you're under 18 and your parents decide you're going to go get conversion therapy, it's about 83%. Um, uh, we're subjected 13, 83% reporting it occurred when they were, so of the people that were subjected to it, 83 of them, uh, said it was before their age of 18. So you're highly likely to have it before the age of 18 and, um, 13% of the youth, uh, in that age group. Uh, are subjected to conversion therapy. Um, further, they reported that more than twice the rate of attempting suicide in the past year compared to those who were not. So it doubles your chances of suicide. How that? That's what it's saying. According to a peer-reviewed uh, study, the Trevor Project published in the American Journal of Public Health, LGBTQ youth who underwent conversion therapy were more than twice as likely to report having attempted suicide and more than 2.5 times as likely to report multiple suicide attempts in the past year. So with that, if you're listening and you're struggling and someone says you need to go to conversion therapy and you're a minor, 
and you have no choice in this subject because your parents, that's what your parents want you to do, you can reach out to the Trevor Project, which uh, I'm going to give you their phone number, but you can find them online very easily. But their phone number is 866-488-7386. 866-488-7386. The Trevor Project. We have no idea how many lives they've saved, um, but it's fair to say a multitude. More than one or two is a multitude as far as I'm concerned when it comes to that. So, yeah. Um, so on that same subject, in New Zealand, they introduced a bill to outlaw LGBT conversion therapies. I just hope it's, it's sliding on the downside uh, and been debunked as, you know, well, uh, homosexuality was considered a mental illness and it finally got removed from that and that this is just another step in a in a healthy direction. I, I, I guess what this is a symptom of, of hate and misunderstanding that uh, prevail when so many community or so many people are um, feel threatened or feel that it's unnatural, all those things. Anyway, I'm going to come back with a bunch more news and uh, after a short music break here. And uh, what's on the what's on the platter there, Craig? Let's see. How about you get what you give? Here we go. Hit you up late at night, all I want is to get high Feel the wind hit my hair, I need to feel alive Up all night by your side, I'm not preoccupied Through the dark, feel so good
until the sun goes down. So I need you until the sun goes down. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I need to audit my music a little bit more. So catching up with what's going on in the world, um, I, I <clears throat> did you know Tom Jones is from Wales? <laughs> and that's the next subject. I have a dear friend from Wales. She's Welsh. Those people from Wales are Welsh. And it is a country, and it is on the island of St. Shares with uh, the UK. Um, but um, there, uh, this is, I found really interesting. Wales launches a plan to become the most LGBT-friendly country Europe in Europe as of Westminster as Westminster slides backwards. How about that? So I am so proud to say that my Wales friends, the Welsh government has unveiled a new LGBT action plan and has set out its uh, hope to become the most LGBTQ friendly country in Europe. I think I need to go visit Wales and, and take my friend Lynn with me and, and check it out. I mean, someone needs to audit this and make sure it's correct and, and I'm, that I'm reporting accurate information for my word. Let's see. Um, key actions will include trying to evolve powers related to the Gender Recognition Act in order to reform it to benefit trans people using all available, available powers to ban all aspects of LGBT conversion therapy, which we've just talked about at length and long and long and hard, and increasing support for Pride events across Wales by sponsoring Pride Simru. C-Y-M-R-U, establishing a Wales-wide Wales -wide pride fund and appointing a Welsh pride coordinator. I think, Lynn, you should apply for that. The government is consulting the public on the plan, which is drawn up by an independent panel of LGBTQ experts and launched by a deeply deputy minister for social partnership, Hannah Blitherin yesterday on July 29th. Well, July 29th. Uh, Blitherin uh, said that the movement wants to the action plan to achieve our ambition to furthering LGBTQ plus equality in Wales. The plan sets out a wide range of policy specific actions relating to human rights and recognition safety, home and communities, health and social care, education and workplace. By adopting a cross-government approach covering all areas of policy, we will truly be able to achieve equality for all in Wales. <laughs> I love it. She said at the end of Pride Month, I set out the key steps on the journey towards achieving greater LGBTQ plus equality in Wales. Our ambition is to tackle the long-term structural inequalities that ex still exist to challenge discrimination and to create a country without prejudice. Wow. Now that is great news. I think, I think more countries, especially Ghana in uh, Africa. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So here's some more good news. Well, oh, also I've been, it's been pointed out that I forgot a very point, a very important date in history that is the 17th of this month which i'll should be reporting on it next week because it's not in the full week 
But uh, Joe Meetzel was born at 5 a.m., just so that for the record, um, that we know that uh, that's uh, how it happened on this day in history. So if you know Joe, you know, you know from where I'm coming from. All right. So uh, this is more good news. Revelers celebrate three decades in, of Belfast pride. Now, did you know that? Belfast, Belfast, three decades. So I remember in the 70, like 78, uh, which is more than three decades ago, that San Francisco was becoming very grape pride active. And uh, the parades that went on there for years, I remember, I actually have a, I have an ice chest full of photographs where I decided to document that uh, that window of history and of pride from about 78 to about 85 uh, of photographs. Um, people I didn't know, but just what was going on in the city. And I found it very interesting. I still have them. I suppose I should, I should, I should share them at some point anyway. I digress. Revelers celebrate three decades in Belfast. So what did they do? Uh, the streets were buzzing on Saturday as revelers took to the city center to celebrate the 30th annual Belfast Pride. Hmm. While the traditional Pride couldn't take place because of COVID rules, the event was marked with a virtual celebration that did stop people from going out and to the likes of the Smithfield and Union Quarter, which has a long association with the LGBT community. Among those sending their best wishes was Constable Paul Bloomer, co-chair of the PSNI LGBT Staff Support Network. There are lots of important reasons why police participate in Pride, but the personal reasons are also important, he said. So, happy <laughs> three decades in Belfast. There's some good news. There's so much bad news out there. Okay, some... Um, this is interesting. Someone decided to say, okay, how many LGBT people are kind of recognized in um, offices, uh, political offices in the, in the United States? So this is what it says. Close to 1,000 elected officials nationwide identify as LGBT, according to a report from the LGBTQ Victory Institute. There are currently 986 LGBT officials across the U.S. as of June, according to the Out for America Project, a 17% increase over the past year. This includes two U.S. senators, nine U.S. representatives, two governors, 189 state legislators, 56 mayors, and six statewide executives. However, there is still a long way to go to achieve equality equitable representation of the LGBTQ population. Roughly 6% of the U.S. adult population identify as LGBTQ, but only 0.19% of elected officials identify as such. The report found that 28 of the 116 more than LGBT elected officials would uh, be needed before equal equitable representation is achieved. Uh, 28 1,116 more. That's quite a bit. <laughs> That's about 10 times the size of my hometown population. <laughs> Wairika. Mm. Uh, the report found, uh, okay, yeah, 3% well, 
uh, currently serving uh, 84% of LGBTQ elective officials currently serving are Democrats, while just 3% are Republicans, according to the report. The only state without a known uh, is without a known out LGBT elected official is Mississippi, the report said. How about that? <laughs> yes, I, yes, 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 yes. And some more good news. I'm, I'm trying to get on the good news bandwagon here in Rainbow Radio. Hundreds take pride in Cayman's first gay pride parade. Wow. From the Cayman Compass on the 31st of July, this report came. The first gay pride uh, parade was held in the Cayman Islands Saturday when hundreds, literally hundreds of people, I wish it were more. I remember, I remember in 95, I was transferred to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> and I took a new job. And within two weeks, I was there. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I had to get a map out and see where Boise was. I knew where Idaho was, but I wasn't sure where Boise was. But long story short, I'm there. Just so happens that weekend, they were having a gay pride event in front of the state capitol. And I thought, oh, I should check this out. I'm just new to the area. Maybe this is fun. Well, there were about 30 people showed up. And there were about another 10 or 15 that showed up in protest, one of them being the Grim Reaper that all, I hate to say that F word, uh, uh, the anti-gay slur, uh, should die and go to hell. And there was a grim, grim reaper. And I thought, what have I done? I'm in Boise, Idaho. But to Boise's credit, I got involved in a gay theater and I had the best time of my life there. And it was very, I discovered it was a very accepting and a uh, wonderful community. And I do know a state legislator that is gay and married and living with his husband in Boise. And uh, my, that's a shout out to John. And um, so first appearances can be deceiving, I guess is the message there. Um, so back to the Cayman uh, uh, that, um, that they had their... Uh, they had their event where hundreds of attended at the front of the parade in a show of support for gay rights and diversity and all clad Cayman LGBTQ foundation t-shirts were premier Wayne Panton opposition representative, Barbara Conley and governor Mer Martin Roper. How about that? <laughs> Small, but mighty. no, Noel Casillo-Smith, founder of the Cayman LGBTQ Foundation, which organized the event, thanked the politicians for their support. He described the first Pride Parade as making a truly, truly special day for Cayman and saying that everyone on the island should be able to live the lives they want to live. I'm so pleased that we have the government on our side, as well as the, as the governor and the opposition. That sends a strong message uh, that we are here and we need to be accepted. We shouldn't, it shouldn't matter to anyone what your sexuality is. It should be identified as a human being and not for your sexuality. Despite some opposition from certain quarters, Cayman is the run-up uh, to the parade. There were no, in the run-up to the parade, there were no protests and along the route. Only people 
on the sidewalk to those supporting the participants and waving flags and shouting encouragement. Well, I didn't see that in Boise on that day, but boy, did it change. <laughs> I'd like to think I was part of it. I was involved in a gay theater group. Imagine that. <laughs> and uh, some more good news. Man, I must have had a good news day coming up. This one, uh, Joe Biden nominates lesbian rabbi for religious freedom position. How about that? The president, uh, President Joe Biden nominated les lesbian rabbi Sharon Kleinbrom, bomb to serve uh, on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Under her position as commissioner, she will help uh, monitor and evaluate religious freedoms around the world. Kleinbaum currently serves as the chief rabbi at, at the Congregation Belt Simchat Torah, CBST. On Friday, July 30th, the White House released a statement regarding the nominees and included Kleinburn's history, with religious inclusivity and LGBTQ rights. Under her leadership as a senior rabbi, CBST has become a powerful voice in the movement of equality and justice for people of all sexual orientation, gender identities, and expressions. The statement reads, uh, also mentioned that Kleinbaum has served as a commissioner on New York City's Commission on Human Rights. So, I'm just, I don't think I've had any bad news yet. <laughs> if anyone who's been following me, when I, when I go and look at the international news on LGBTQ, there's so many things from honor killings of young gay people to imprisonment and hangings and, oh, all these horrible things. So today is a happy day here in Laguna Beach. Happy day. <laughs> On this day in history in Laguna Beach, it was declared Happy Day by, day by Craig Cooley. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, I have some news in Zambia. Zambia. Uh, and then there's that nasty thing going on in Guyana. Let's, let's read this. There's another happy one, I think. <clears throat> um. August 2nd, uh, the UPND leader, and I don't know what that means, UPND, they don't tell you. Hachalema, also known as HH, thank you for that, <laughs> aims to turn around the historically negative attitude towards the Zamb Zambian LGBTQ community. Currently, Zambia's... Um, Legal standing on same-sex relationships and orientation is, is antiquated and deeply rooted in the laws and beliefs from a bygone time when the country was still a colony of British rule. How many times have I talked about that British rule? It was the largest um, dynasty, I can call it that, ever on earth was British with Queen Victoria. Uh, the country's laws in terms of homosexuality have been remained basically the same, with same-sex relationships falling under the, the country's sodomy laws, which deem it a crime punishable by as much as 14 years in prison. The country's penal code also classifies uh, an attempt to practice homosexuality as committing unnatural offenses, which carries a seven-year prison sentence, and any acts of gross indecency between a person of male gender are punishable by up to five years. I didn't say anything about the 
gross indecency between two female. It's just the male. So HH, the guy that's uh, the leader, uh, is uh, working hard to change uh, Zambia's um, embracement of LGBTQ people and their, their lives. So, yeah, how about that? So I have some other news. And, you know, we're on such a good high here, Greg, here on Rainbow Radio. Hey, don't forget, if you've got someone you want to get on the radio program, the Craig at, at rainbow-radio.com. And I should mention, as I have failed to for the last two Saturdays, but the Taste of Laguna is coming up, which is, if you've never been, it is a romp with entertainment and food. And, uh, you know, rather than visit 30, 40, 50 restaurants throughout the year, you can catch a glimpse of them all uh, at the festival. And it's... Um, it says a global theme with bites from over 30 restaurants, music from Tino Productions and Entertainment and Nova. Tickets are on sale at tasteoflaguna.com. It's a KXFM uh, supported, supported by Laguna Beach. Visit Laguna Beach and uh, the Laguna Beach Chamber of Commerce. It is October. So you have some time yet to, to, to but don't waste any time. The tickets, I've been there, oh, two years ago, maybe it's three years ago, um, and helped out. Um, actually, I took payments at the front counter. But it, I have to say, I've, been, I've been, been to it twice. And it, again, is a very fun afternoon, early evening event, um, from wine tasting uh, to the culinary arts, uh, they abound. And then they have entertainment as well. So it's a great evening to meet friends and um, go grazing for three hours. <laughs> and I, and please graze because you want to taste everything. You don't want to load up on one thing and uh, get the, get the true flavor of it. It's a taste of Laguna. And as you know, Laguna beach being a very unique and special place in the world, it has fabulous culinary um, arts um, and they can be fully appreciated at this event. Again, it's October 14th, 2021. And if you want to get tickets now, you can tasteoflagunabeach.com. Really simple, tasteoflagunabeach.com. You can get tickets. This is Craig, KXFM 104.7, Laguna Beach's uh, home-crafted radio station. <laughs> uh, well, we call it human-crafted, but home is okay, too. Human-crafted radio station. Uh, reporting for Rainbow Radio, and uh, my time is up. I hate to say that. I'm going to take you out with a song. And again, um, thank everyone for tuning in today. And my shout out to Joe and his birthday coming up, and Lynn in the UK, uh, Brian up in LA, all my friends all over the place. Love you, and thank you for tuning in. And we'll catch you next week, hopefully with a surprise guest. I'm going to work really hard on that one. All right. Thanks. Stop in again next week. Wake up, kids. We've got a dreamer's disease.